0: There's no upsell, no guru
1: pitch, and no fluff. It's time to unshackle yourself from captivity and make your freedom jump with the Agency Freedom Podcast. Let's go. What is up, boys and girls? Welcome back to the show. This is the Agency Freedom Podcast, where we help insurance professionals move from captivity to freedom. Yes! And I am excited for this episode because my man, Mr. Patrick McBride, from the great state of Illinois, Dixon, Illinois, to be precise, is our guest for today's interview. Patrick, thanks so much for being here, man.
2: Super pumped, man. This is, uh, this is pretty exciting.
1: You are like the flavor of the month, man. I see your name freaking everywhere, it feels like. Thank you for uh, giving us some of your valuable time. And I got to say, Freedom Jumper, listening audience out there, this one is going to be packed full because Patrick's got a lot in his backstory, really interesting stuff to dig into. He's got a, a Freedom Jump story of his own. He used to be a captive agent with Big Red. That's State Farm, for those of you not paying attention. State Farm does a lot of things well, and I'm sure Patrick will get into that. He was a couple of different roles with them and made his freedom jump, and he's now an independent agency owner for the McBride Agency. And man, I'm just going to dig right in. Can you just start us off? For those of our audience that aren't familiar with your backstory, who are you? How'd you get to this point? What's super important to Patrick McBride?
2: Yeah, well... I think I'm going to work a little backwards on that one. So what's super important to Patrick McBride is, I think the word legacy probably kicks in there. I am the product of a young marriage and my dad passed away super, super young. Like I, was, I was six months old, he passed away. So I grew up without that male role model and he was charismatic, athletic. I mean, just the smart, funny, good looking guy that everybody always talked, talked great about. And the older I get, the more I realize that's just what you do when somebody passes away, right? Whether he was good or bad. People always tell the good stories, which, which helps my cause as I get older. But growing up, I had this massive, massive 10-foot tall you know, statue over top or massive shadow that I would never live up to. So I've always tried to to leave the world the way that I feel like he left it, if that makes sense, right? It, if I go today, I want people to talk good about me. I want them to tell stories to my kids and my grandkids of how great I was and, and all those pieces. Not Not how great I am, but the impact I made in their lives. So- that's yeah. kind of, if there's something to kind of sum me up, that's what I always want to do. That's why I love doing uh, any speaking engagement I can, I can get to pour in or talk to or, or build up people or any mentorship opportunity I have, I'll take it. Insurance is a, is a funny game. I am not, by all, <laughs> for all intents and purposes, I'm probably not your insurance guy, your typical insurance guy, despite the sport coat I'm wearing today. I am a I'm a sales guy. I'm a marketer. I spent the majority of my adult career or uh you know my working time is a uh, in the bicycle industry. Everything from kind of the shop rat, cleaning up bicycle stores, sweeping floors, building bikes out of boxes, uh, started selling bikes, started uh, really selling bikes, got really heavily invested in some of the larger larger races, started racing bikes, a couple state championships in a couple different states. I think one year, I think I won two different states or Texas and Oklahoma state championships simultaneously the same year. This is a while ago. So a couple hundred pounds, not a couple hundred pounds, but a couple pounds ago, a couple kids ago. And uh, through that process, my wife and I, we, you know, I think I said some of this in the bio you asked for, right? My wife and I lost a daughter. She was born premature. There was a lot going on there. And without digging too deep into that, unless you pry, I'll, I'll open up. But we lost a daughter. And in that process, we had... Our local State Farm agent, not even the agent, just a producer in her office or in his office reached out to us and talked us through what, uh, what life insurance was. I was a consumer with insurance. I had nothing more. I knew that I needed it. I knew that uh, it had to happen. And, and if, if Marcy Williams is out there listening to this by chance, she was the producer in the office that just said, hey, I want to talk to you about insurance and had a real conversation with my wife and I. She removed a lot of the friction of what life insurance could be or what it was supposed to be. Talk to us about ourselves. Talk to us about the you know, the term riders that you can do with a life insurance policy. And from that moment on, I wasn't ready to leave the bicycle industry. And I didn't for years. But from that moment on, I knew that whenever I got a real job, which is what my wife, my wife did not call the bicycle industry a real job, board shorts, flat bill, ball caps, and flip-flops most of the days. I would still do that here in the office today if if I could get away with it. But uh, I was that about to moment. say,
1: I get the feeling that you and I would both wear that to the office as "quote unquote" real insurance man. Yeah,
2: yeah. I had a flat ball cap on most of the day, and uh, even with a with the suit jacket. So there you go, man. Love it. Yeah, I, I knew that insurance would be my real job if I ever had to get a real one, and I spent I spent a couple of years trying to figure that that uh, that pathway out, and captive was the right way to go for me to start with. It taught me a lot, and, and kind of if I didn't go there first, I wouldn't know what I know now, and I wouldn't be able to, to be who I am for our clients and our team and, and for our community, which may be a little braggadocious, but I could not be what we are today if not for that path.
1: So, well, and I've shared openly several different times in this podcast, especially near the beginning when I was kind of laying the foundation for what this thing would be. There are lots of reasons, lots of reasons to leave a captive carrier, and go do your own thing once you have a good agency, once you know what you're doing. But as an independent agent, you're never going to get the training, the ideas, the wrap your head around the basics, the 101 kind of insurance stuff that you will with really all three of them. There are other captive carriers, of course, but State Farm, Allstate, and Farmers, one, two, three, all three of them have just world-class training and onboarding for new agency owners and even producers. I'm not at all surprised to hear that you had a a great educational experience with Big Red. They are one of the best training organizations in the entire world in any industry. So how did that process go for your freedom jump? You're on the captive side, and then at some point you decide, you know what, I want more from my career. Talk about that for a little bit.
2: Yeah, so... I never actually, so I never owned an agency with State Farm. I went through their Aspen program. There was an 18-month kind of whatever that, that time frame or production requirement frame. We had met all the goals and all the productions, took a massive, massive pay cut to come in and kind of learn that business. But I was, I was actually, so back up even further than that, like I had an opportunity with a couple different captive carriers to go and open an agency, but I knew nothing about insurance. Other than I knew that that was a pathway I wanted to take. Obviously, the, the financial freedoms, the flexibilities, that, that pillar of the community, someone who's always in the town. I wanted that, that main street business, whether it was my name on the door or something else. I wanted that. And I knew that insurance would offer that along with all of our other goals and that, you know, that heart strain that had been pulled so many years prior. So when it was time to jump in, I was too hesitant to do it on my own first. So I went and worked as a producer in an office. Saw some success there, and when it was time to open our own agency, the model wasn't for me. Let's just go there. We ended up opening a MetLife captive agency, one of there were less than 300 or 400 in the country when I took my position in uh, 2017. So we quickly became uh, one of the number one producing agencies in the state. I think by the end of that first year, we we're the fastest-growing captive agency in the state. By our second or third year, we were the number one or number two agency in the country in the captive world of MetLife. And then as we kept evaluating if MetLife was a position for us, we were evaluating independent options for a while. And then we all know about the farmer's acquisition. I, uh, I unfortunately, and for everyone listening, if you're, if you're listening to this, and I was a voice that, that helped you stay at Farmers for any amount of time, uh, I apologize. I really thought the best, and I thought it was gonna be good for a lot of people. And I, oh, I sat man. as the vice chair of the National Agency Advisory Panel, and we, we were able to speak on a lot of subjects and had a lot of what we thought were insights. Uh, I thought it was going to be mm. a good, good switch for a lot of folks. And it wasn't. Uh, and without going down an ugly road, we, just, we quickly learned that that wasn't the right thing for us. And within, within four months of being partnered with farmers, we had, uh, we had made the decision to, uh, to leave and to make that, that freedom jump, as you say, right, to make that exit as quickly and efficiently as possible.
1: You know, I have to confess firsthand ignorance. I don't have any personal experience with that acquisition and with the migration and the, the merging of the two worlds. But from an outsider's perspective, I can't think of a more poorly executed acquisition for the agent, for the client. I mean, again, I don't have any firsthand knowledge at all, but the sheer volume of, very upset, very angry, even enraged and furious responses that I've seen from people that were front and center that got to see you know someone pour the gasoline into the dumpster and set it on fire. Wow. What I don't hold at this point, I don't hold any uh bad blood towards farmers at all. It was overall it was a very good experience. It helped launch my career as it is now. There's some individuals at farmers that I we'll never speak to again. And, and you know, that's a different story, but overall it was a good experience. And as a company, I generally think well of farmers. And that being said, the MetLife acquisition, holy cow. I don't know who's in charge of that, but I'm sure they got fired. Holy Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. I, you know, and for anybody, I I always tell everyone, I got the bad end of a good stick. I think for the right person, farmers, is a great opportunity with the right market, with the right product, uh, I think it could In have right been a great opportunity country. for a lot of people. Right. Yeah. There's, yeah, there's sure. obviously it's working for someone. There are a lot of people out mm-hmm. there doing it. Well, we, with our book size and the transition and the commission schedules and splits that we were used to, it took a, a massive cut of our revenues. I mean, something like 30 or 40% of our revenues off the top immediately. Mm. And production requirements were the same staffing requirements were increased. There There's just a lot of things that didn't go well. And then, the debauchery that happened with rates and product and yeah. all of that and systems. Well, never so, yeah.
1: mind the whole like three hour hold times and yeah. complete breakdown of the agency support yeah. infrastructure. Yeah. For those that have never been on the inside that don't realize that Farmers is not a traditional carrier like a, a lot of other captive carriers are, but it's an exchange, it's a network of underwriting companies that operate under the banner of quote unquote Farmers Insurance. It can be jarring. It's like, why is farmers the way that they are? And then you realize that it's nothing but a, a piggy bank for Zurich. Mm-hmm. And w- once I saw on the on a, a report one time what the management fee is that Farmers in- Insurance Exchange pays to Zurich on an annual basis, I'm just like, dear God, this is billions of dollars a year being paid by farmers to their overlords. Yeah. And it's like,
2: no. You start to understand no the rates. No and, wonder certain things they're... happen the way that
1: they do. Yeah. It starts yeah. to make more sense when you understand the economic model. It's it's you know foundationally different than Allstate and and State Farm and other captive carriers. So very very interesting stuff for sure. I'm
2: sorry you it were was, so close to the action. It uh, you know it hurt a little bit. I mean there was there was a significant amount of revenues. We we took a massive hit on our own. Obviously our team never saw much of a difference on that side, and we did that intentionally. Uh, and that's our job, right? And it's our job to shield. the the people that work for us or work with us on the best way possible, give them the right opportunity to succeed and, and let them do it. So we, we protected a lot of that. It was tough. And I think you're right. I think that there are some people that I will never talk to again and that's okay. I'm okay without them.
1: Yeah. There's definitely a certain amount of, uh, you know, we wish you well, we just wish you were well far away from us. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. As my yeah, grandpa used to a, say, <laughs> everybody farms a certain field. You're not in my field, you can get picked by somebody nope. else.
1: Yeah. No, you are not welcome on my team. If 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 we're that's, doing a good old-fashioned right. schoolyard pick, don't hold your breath. Yeah. No. So okay, so the the freedom jump. You have the whole forced merger. No one asked you if you were okay with this happening. It just happened. You said about 3 or 4 months it sounds like. And so so then what? You know, you're still met life. it becomes part of the farmer's family, and you decide, you know what, maybe this isn't for me, it can't, it's great for some people, but it's not for Patrick McBride and his team. What yeah. then? How, how did that jump, how did that separation, that move to a fully independent thing, how'd that go?
2: You know, I actually think it went better than all the horror stories I've heard. We, we did partner with an aggregator, and in hindsight, I think that they have their place in the market. We found a good one. I think there are better options out there. And I think with our production levels, I don't know that we even need one. But that fear of, I'm really great at this product. I'm really great at this process. Now we're going to throw the same general product on the table, but now I'm responsible for not only knowing it and understanding it myself, but what's their process on the back end? What's their coverage limits? What are their underwriting details? All of that was scary enough to... to kind of create this this panic in me no matter how great we were and no matter how much we were we were producing on a monthly basis with one carrier and our closing rates were great we knew that it would increase but we were just a little a little petrified of of uh, going wrong so we we made the safe step we joined an aggregator on that side but I spent my team and really a shout out to everyone who worked for us and still is still with us we did not transition with anyone Uh, who's not still currently in our office. If they were with us before the transition, they're still with us now. And we're so grateful to them because I stepped into less of a producer role and more of an agency owner role. And it started then, researching technologies, understanding how everything paired together, all of the IVINs and the CRMs and the AMSs and understanding what the limitations that the independent channel and each individual agency owner has in comparison to the power of a state farm or a farmer's or the all-states that their, their technology and integrations work with their own systems. And I'll, albeit they definitely have their own limitations that they have to face. They, there's a lot there that I, I envy still a little bit. Uh, policy downloads and syncing up, you know, pure and accurate data is a difficult, difficult piece. So that, uh, that was kind of my experience. We knew the carriers we wanted. We we researched the market, we knew who was good in our state. We did not want a parity. I didn't want three carriers with the same appetite, so we we sought out the right carriers and we've had a really really good luck with it so far. We've only got a couple of relationships that we uh we we don't love. How's that?
1: No, I I can read between the lines there for sure. It's impressive that you were able to take your staff and your team members with you. Generally when you make a move like that, Somebody falls off the apple cart. Tell me about that for just a second, because I know from what I've seen from you on social and just comments and posts and whatnot, leadership is very important to you as an individual. Being a good example for your team is something that you pride yourself in. So what was that like? How did you set the stage from a brand, from a culture perspective, to be able to capture those people, their attention, their loyalty, and bring all of them with you? That's quite the accomplishment, my friend.
2: Well, thank you. I'm going to chalk it up to them, really. I think that our interview process and and we for years we kind of cycled through employees and I think we all do that for a while, right? When you first get going and you hire someone, you just hire to fill a role and you don't think about who they are or what they're going to bring or how they fit. We ended up adopting a hiring philosophy. Uh, a good friend of mine is a is a hiring manager was a a consultant in healthcare industry and he gave us uh, some feedback on what we should look at. And we adopted a hiring philosophy around Patrick Lencioni's, the ideal team player mm-hmm. and the humble, hungry, smart mentality. So you've got to be humble enough to know that you don't know it all. You've got to be hungry enough to go and find the answers. And you've got to be you have got to have that social and emotional intelligence. So those are the first three that always mattered to us. From there, it was always about making sure that we had the right match. And as a matter of fact, one of my longest seniored Employees now. She has been with us for a couple of years. She was not my first choice. And I say it out loud, it's a joke now. Uh, she wasn't our first choice. I was really aggressively pursuing a different candidate. And my wife and I, we asked one question to everyone. And the question was, if I gave you $20,000 today to go start a business, what would it be? And we're hiring for a CSR role. And my ideal candidate said, I would take it and I would buy this inventory and I would sell it. And as a sales and marketing person, Loved that answer, and she had ideas. She knew her product, she knew how she'd sell it or how she'd market it. I was all in because I saw the future potential for a producer, but I didn't need a producer. I needed a customer service manager and account manager. Yep. And the the lady that we did hire, she said, "Well, I don't really know what I would do, but what I would do is I would I would find a way to help or serve other people or solve their problems." And that core tenet of understanding who they are and what they would do and what they're wired to do and putting people in the right place. I think all of that transition started there. So their buy-in from the get-go, we are aggressively transparent. I don't hide things well. I wear my emotions on my sleeve. If I'm excited, you're going to know. If I'm bummed out, you're going to know. If I don't talk to you or I isolate and I remove myself from conversations, you're going to know something's going on. I am not a, a stoic personality. Most days, if you, uh, if you cut off my arms I can't say anything, you can't really see here on camera. But I, I will most oftentimes be flapping my arms in the, in the wind just to communicate a point that doesn't need to be arm mm. flapped about, if that makes any sense at all.
1: It actually does. I, I feel like we're kindred spirits in that regard, for sure. Yeah. I don't think subtle and nuanced are words anyone would use to describe me. So uh, you and I are, are very similar there, man.
2: I feel I'm that I'm going to take a note
1: of that, that question. I love that question. I haven't heard that particular one in a, a hiring environment. Now, just to paraphrase it, and I know you said 20, I'll pick 25 because it's one-fourth of 100. If I were going to give you $25,000 to start a business, what would you do? Tell me about the business that you would launch. That's a great question. I really like that. We're in the middle of uh, the early part of finding an outside producer for our commercial and real estate operation. Our inside game is very, very strong. We have a lot of presence content and whatnot, but the outside game, the the hunter killer profile, uh, we historically don't have the most success with a purely outbound uh, producer, just because so much of what we do is inbound. So I'm gonna take that one and stock it away for my uh, for my own purposes, man. That's that's solid gold right there. So the help you now as we proceed with the with the next phase of the conversation here. So you make the decision to leave. You joined an aggregator. You got the markets that you need to be successful where you want to. Talk about the spin-up. Maybe the first 12, 18 months as a fully independent agent. What's that like? What sort of big landmines did you step on that blew up in your face? Maybe advice that you have for somebody else who's a little bit behind you in the journey. Reflect on that for a little bit.
2: You know, knowing your numbers is number one. I think understanding what you're, what you're going into, understanding the, the commission schedules and the payouts was probably my biggest, my biggest hurdle to understand. We've written some, and obviously when you, when you come out of captivity, we had a lot more freedom with our markets. And everyone told me, find a niche and stick to it. And I intentionally went broad because I didn't know what I wanted to write in the commercial side. Our personal side were fantastic. The, we've got a strong referral network. We have killed it in personal lines for years. And this only made us stronger. This transition did. Commercial was really all about making sure that we understood what we liked to do and what our carrier partners were good at. And I'm not sure where I heard it. And I think this is probably credit to David Carruthers in in the Power Producers podcast somewhere where he said, call your underwriters, ask the question, what you're great at and what you love to see, but you don't see enough of. And yep. we started asking those questions of the carriers that we really enjoy working with. And we, we really kind of kicked things off. But the biggest landmine I think that we hit was uh, when you've got these really big work comp policies. Specifically, you've got these big work comp policies that are now pay-as-you-go. And you're getting paid as earned, not paid as written. Where you thought this massive chunk of revenue was coming in and it spread out over a year. not all, uh, Not all in bad, just different and then making sure that all of our technology synced and spending the time training and training together because everyone has a different training pace. That's probably, now that I look at it, and we're making some migrations in our team, less than a year into some technologies, we're we're making some transitions for better integration uh, and an overall better experience internal and external is kind of driving that, but forced training together not necessarily role-playing with our producers, but just making sure that we all understood how to adequately and appropriately deploy our technologies and how they work together has been uh, probably our biggest, I don't want to say it was a landmine. I think we avoided one because we did it so intentionally. Every week we meet, every Thursday morning, we have a, basically the first half of the morning is dedicated to training together. Everyone knows everything that's going on. We don't, again, aggressively transparent. We don't hide anything. I've been a part of those organizations where you just get told what to do when you do it. And, and I'm good. If you tell me to go jump, I, by God, I'll jump. I'll ask how high, how long, and how far you need it to happen. And if I can't do it today, I will make sure that I can by the time you need it done. But that does not work for me as a leader. I can't, I can't function that way.
1: Hey, Freedom Jumper. Are you looking to take your business to the next level? Who isn't, right? Write more business and see your agency succeed with NBS. At Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, they understand the challenges local agents face in the constantly changing marketplace. That's why they offer a wide array of personal and commercial markets and policy options to help you meet the needs of your customers, no matter how unique or outlandish they may be. With a team of experienced and dedicated professionals that provide you with the support and guidance you need to see your agency succeed, Nationwide Brokerage Solutions is here to support you every step of the way. Don't just survive in the competitive insurance industry. Thrive with Nationwide Brokerage Solutions. Get started today. Learn more at nbsbrokerage.com. No, I I definitely appreciate uh, what you're going through there, man. Now, the uh, the transparency is often, it's, it's kind of difficult to balance, isn't it? There are certain things that are inappropriate to share with the team because they're internal dialogue or decisions that you're noodling over that you haven't even decided on yet. So it's certainly not something you're going to put out for the team's consumption, but you definitely want to be, you know, as transparent as makes sense for the team to feel brought into the circle of trust as, uh, as the meet the parents movie, uh, shout out to you, Robert De Niro and, uh, and Ben Stiller there. It's like a microcosm of my life. That picture for sure. <laughs> I'm going to double click on the tech thing for just a second because one of the things that we like to do here on AFP when it's appropriate is just, hey, run me through your tech stack. What are the vendors that you're fond of? What is central to your operation? You know, from a management system to CRM to internal process and command and control type of functions. If there's more niche vendors like a Canopy Connect or a glove box or a WonderWrite or whatever, anybody you want to give a shout out to, I'd love to just have a quick rundown uh, of what you guys have going on at the McBride agency.
2: You know, actually, a lot of what you just said we use, Canopy Connect is deployed a couple different ways in our agency, both on the personal and commercial side. We love WonderWrite from a document, especially with the middle markets and all the apps that we have to fill out. They actually serve a, a relatively specific need for us as well with making sure that our clients are able to collaborate and see their policies and document storage in one place until Glovebox can handle that for us too. And I we love Glovebox. We've got an entire YouTube series about our mobile app that's powered by Glovebox and our customers yep. love it. And not only is it a service and retention point, it's been a sales point for our team saying, hey, you don't have to worry about having multiple mobile apps. We can bring everything in and, and put it all together in one spot. And really one of the biggest tech companies that I'm fond of is Better Agency has been beyond helpful in a lot of what we've done and having one system that was basically done for us at the beginning, they, I think anyone who's looking into automation, CRM, AMS, kind of the integration side, if you're not tech savvy, you don't have to be with better agency, I think is, is kind of the key. Yep. We are, we are making some moves where we're, I think sad is the right word, right? Disappointingly, we're moving away from better agency right now just for some more of the integration and flexibility and some of the power we're looking for, they're just not quite there yet. Yeah. But I think that's maybe 10 to 20% of users out there probably would experience those pieces, but I have loved every minute of them. Their service has been exceptional. I think every single day for the first two months I jumped on their, their noon webinar or or, uh, they do a zoom call every day. You could just jump in, say, Hey, I got this question. They'd answer my question and I'd go about my day. It was incredible.
1: Yep. I mean, I, I ve- feel very similar towards Better Agency. Uh, the team over there is just A plus. Uh, Top and notch. Uh, really as good as any team in the entire industry, especially on the technology side. We had a similar experience where we are in the a, a very small minority of agents that are just structurally not a good fit for Better Agency because of who we are. as We do a lot of agency bill, a lot of ENS, some weird commercial stuff. And they weren't a good fit for us structurally, but like you said, I think it's probably about eighty percent of agencies out there across the country. Better Agency is a great fit for it. you know, especially in the future when they get some more of those AMS uh, traditional AMS features nailed down. The Raiders really cool having that native. You know, they bought out Neoteric Agent and made it better proposals. There's a lot of really cool things happening uh, with Better Agency, and I'm not just saying that because I'm on their advisory board. And I, I count most of their C-suite as personal friends. Believe me, <laughs> you guys know me enough. If I didn't like something, I would tell you exactly why I don't like it. But you know, shout out to Better Agency and the team over there. Fantastic option for most people to consider if you haven't already. So I have to ask, where are you going? What's the next step for you guys for your AMS, for your CRM? Stuff like that.
2: Yeah, we actually were in the process of all of our data migrations. We're jumping into an agency Zoom now certs combo. Okay. Just with the research we did, we know the power and the customization of some of the automations and the onboarding that our team does. In our morning meeting today, one of the biggest pieces we talked about was uh, the two things I tell our team every week is number one is get the F out. And, and I say that to my team in every interaction and every conversation. And it's not what you think it is, but it's get the friction out. So remove the friction. In every interaction and in every conversation, remove the friction. So, if yep. we can find a way to remove the friction for our customers, number one, and then remove the friction for our team, number two. So, we don't want to remove the friction for the client by adding more work for us and knowing what we were able to do inside Agency Zoom. That was, that was a huge piece for us. Uh, we get to remove a lot of friction. And we, we say that because people aren't buying insurance. Your clients aren't buying insurance. My clients aren't buying insurance. They're, they're not purchasing insurance from me. They're purchasing experience from me. The insurance is the byproduct, right? When we watch television, when you listen to a podcast, I'm not listening for the soul's sake that I like you as a person. I'm listening for the experience and what you're offering as a whole. It's not just that you're a podcast and I love podcasts, so I'm going to listen to you. It's the experience yep. is what people are buying from us. So they allowed us to cultivate our experience a little differently. Uh, make us a little more unique in the marketplace. Uh, it helps us remove a lot of the friction, and their their integration with Nowcerts. Uh, we're seeing the power of that today, and and we are. This is a steep learning curve, right? There's there's so much more to learn. I shot a message to a friend yesterday. I'm like, hey, I'm I'm overwhelmed. Where the hell did you learn all this? He goes, I don't. Uh, I'm only about thirty percent as good as I should be. Go try this, and and sure enough, I just dove in, and I think I spent you know, four or five hours last night researching and, and learning and YouTube videos and experimenting on uh, Bruce Wayne is my default testy, you know, testy McTest faced <laughs> Bruce Wayne is always, Yep. Uh, you know, uh, and he's spun off of Thomas Wayne. Cause you know, we've got to have multiple contacts on commercial accounts and how, how all that syncs together. So Wayne Enterprises, shout out to DC comics, right? Wayne Enterprises mm. and Bruce and and Thomas Wayne, they are, they are our test flight in every encounter we have. That's so
1: much more interesting than my John Tester.
2: <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. yeah.
1: Yeah. I like Bruce Wayne and Thomas Wayne better. That, that's great. I'm going to double click <laughs> there for just a second because uh, selfishly, I'm just curious that what you just described is exactly where we were for several months back in 2021 and early 2022 with NowSerts plus Agency Zoom. How did you guys figure out, and maybe Agency Zoom figured out, or NowCerts figured out? the whole duplicate policy shell thing where with that little double sync, like the two-way sync thing is great. It's fantastic. And now certs talks to agency zoom agency zoom talks to now certs. What we found for us, unfortunately was a whole bunch of duplicate duplicate empty policy shells were getting created and both vendors were pointing fingers at each other of, Hey, this is something they need to fix. It, it ended up causing us to leave agency zoom and, it was just a point of friction, honestly. Have you experienced any issues with the rollout in your office?
2: Not enough where, not enough where we're concerned about it yet. And I, I say that because this is new for us, right? So this is, uh, we're still waiting on the, the massive download from Ivan's. We've got a lot of our data that we imported so that Ivan's data is kicking in and we're seeing it. Uh, one of the things we have done to offset that was a 30-day review where the assigned CSR in agency Zoom, after it goes into onboarding, there's a task that's kicked down the road 30 days. No matter what happens, it's automatically due 30 days from now. That says pair or merge or delete duplicate policies, but making sure that we can kind of, if it's going to be a problem, we're already prepared for it. I don't like reactive measures. I've never liked reactive measures. I always want to be proactive. Uh, and that's Probably attuned to military experience, right? Let's not wait to be attacked. Let's attack. Let Let's go first. Um, yep. Rules of engagement were never my strong suit, right? I don't like the let's get shot at before we shoot someone uh, or shoot at someone kind of idea. That's That's not a doesn't play fair in my head. I don't like that idea.
1: No, losing the element of surprise doesn't seem to be uh, a good thing there. So. Thanks for indulging my curiosity. Um, I've got a lot of really good things to say about both platforms. You know, they do a great job for a lot of people. Unfortunately, we have a lot of experience in our our tech history. Now Certs has been the only management system that we've actively been on. But uh, with the exception of InsuredMind, we've been on every CRM. (laughs) (laughs) So... Yeah, I mean, active campaign, Pipe drive, agency Zoom. Better agency. Like you name it, We experienced it, unfortunately, which you know what they say? If there's a common denominator in four or five different things, and you're the common denominator, well it's yeah, the likelihood is yeah. that you're the problem. which is probably That's the, case, the nicer honestly. way to say
2: that phrase. I, I tell my kids, if you wake up in the morning you meet an asshole, at the end of the day, he was an asshole. But if you wake up in the morning and you meet seven or eight assholes through the day, guess what? You were the asshole.
1: Hmm. That is definitely a a way of communicating (laughs) the same sentiments. I I like it. Oh, man. Where uh, where are you on stage in the spring? You are going to have a very busy 23, just like I am. I don't know what happened, but I started getting speaking invitations and it just kind of snowballed. You mentioned that you you are also getting the opportunity to present to your peers a lot more so than in the past. Uh, Where where are you going to be? What are you up to?
2: Right now, we're actually on stage at the Agency Success Conference in Phoenix in April. And to date, that is the only outside speaking engagement we have. We do have a, a webinar that depends on when this podcast release that we'll be doing with Canopy Connect on some of our video and social media tactics and what we're deploying there. But right now, that's, that's all I've got. The spring is heavy. I know that we'll, we'll probably book some more as we go, and I'm looking forward to it for sure.
1: Awesome. So for those of you that want to book Patrick McBride for your association or your company event, I'll put uh, his contact information in the show notes below. Yeah. They don't have to send me a finers fee or anything. That's just my gift to you as our guest on the show. So as we kind of, you know, move towards the end of the show here, what's on your mind? Any hot takes you've got, any current events that you want to get into, uh, anything that we haven't brought up already that you wanted to talk about today?
2: You know now you got me, James. I don't know. I could talk about anything. I'm I'm a re- as much as I say I'm proactive. I really don't. Uh, I don't like to bring a lot to the forefront. Um, so uh, I, let, let me let me throw
1: a little bit of a, a you know a closer question here. Make it a little bit easier. Sorry to just give you a blank slate and say, hey, what do you want to talk about for the last ten minutes? Yeah, this whole AI man. thing, you know, the yeah. OpenAI, the ChatGPT, the the machine learning, the AI driven content generation, when I think of the sort of stuff that's going to disrupt a lot of industries in the next few years, this AI or machine generated content, whether it's deep fake technology for like pictures and video, or it's chat GPT for like creating the written word out of thin air. What's your take on all of this sort of, you know, current event type stuff and what are you doing to stay in front of the curve?
2: I think that anytime, anytime technology progresses, there's an opportunity to run and hide or to grab it and run uh, and move forward with it. We, we've embraced it. We do a lot of content and we're continuing to do more, uh, especially with uh, video and social media. We've actually kind of leaned into it a little bit. And I think anytime that you as a person can remove some of that, that friction in your own life and take... Let's use ChatGPT, for example, or Jasper. If I can take my base knowledge, throw it into ChatGPT and have it give me more ideas, I'm going to leverage both together. I'm not replacing me or my experience or my knowledge or my research with just what the AI has said. And I don't think anybody should. I think it's a leverage point that if you can take what's there and help it offset your effort. You ever heard of decision fatigue?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I experience it daily.
2: Yeah. I am a firm believer that all of us have a unique number in our bodies, in our physiology, in our mental state. And, and that fluctuates, I think, based on uh, nutrition, right? Sleep habits, uh, energy levels, stresses outside of that. But I think everyone has a certain number of decisions you can make and make them effectively, right? I'm, while I have my eye on the ball five, 10 years down the road, I, all I want to do today, James, is make the next right decision. And if I can make the next right decision, all I want to make sure is that I'm not coming up against that decision threshold for my day. And if I can remove some of those decisions and some of that creative process, there's only so much fuel in the tank on a daily basis. And if I want to be able to do more and give my family what they need, give my wife what she needs, give my children what they need, my team what they need. Our clients, what they need; our community, what they need; our church, what it needs. Right? You know, we've got dogs, and we've got a cat. You can keep the cat. And for all the cat lovers out there, you can keep my cat too. It uh, (laughs) there's only (laughs) there's only so much I can give, and to be the best version of me, I'm always going to take uh, something that's going to help me get there. And if I have to spend an extra half hour or hour learning how to better deploy that. Technology, I will absolutely try it. We try everything. We've not tried right. all of the, the CRMs like you have, but we've tried every chat bot, every chat functionality, every AI. We've tried Jasper, Chat GPT, the Open AIs. We've done the machine learned pictures. Uh, we just there's so much you can do to enjoy it, and and bridge it to build forwards. I think as we progress as a as a culture, and as we continue to to kind of walk down the road of humanity and our growth as a, as a species uh, or even as a country or a culture or as a business owner or whatever you call yourself or identify yourself with is you can always find a way to grow. You can always find a way to learn. And if you're not growing and you're not learning, you're dead.
1: Couldn't agree more. Well said. I do want to point out, congratulations on getting me to meow for the first time in 90 something episodes of this podcast. Uh, uh, we'll play there. I I too am a dog person and uh, I don't necessarily hold anything against a cat. I just don't want to hold a cat. You can have the cat. I'll keep the dog. We'll just keep on moving. Yeah, my wife's a cat person. So there's going to be World War III in our house at some point as to which pet gets purchased first. But as my wife says, I have a five and a three-year-old. I don't need a third pet. So
2: Our 12-year-old brought home a stray, and he is the gentlest child. And this is a couple of years ago, but he brought it home. It was a stray, and... There was just no, there was no saying no, despite any allergies and we have the special medicine or food and shampoos. We have a cat because I have a 12 year old son who I, you know, one of three sons and and I just love him and he is as gentle as, as you can imagine. Uh, and I want to keep him that gentle and innocent boy, right? That we all were at one point before the world broke us uh, or hormones hit us or whatever is going to come in the future. So we, we let him keep his cat. That wasn't going to be the thing that broke, broke his mm. innocence. I tell you that.
1: No. I imagine at some point, knowing my two kids and both of them have very strong personalities. Wonder where they got that from, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. But they, yeah, there's no telling what they're going to do. And I'm probably just going to roll with it. Let's be real. I, I want to finish the episode, again, purely feeding my own curiosity here. <laughs> Your social game is Exquisite. I love your social game, the way that you put content out, the effort, the polish that you put into the pieces that you drop. Even something as simple as that glove box series that you referenced earlier in the episode, it is done beautifully. I know uh, you from just following some of the stuff that, that you put out that you're a fan of Canva for some of your your pieces. What's the inspiration there? And let's just get a little bit logistics related. How do you make that happen? Do you do it yourself? or Do you outsource it to somebody else as far as like the, the editing and producing and whatnot? What's the secret to the Patrick McBride social game? Because it is really A plus.
2: Well, thank you. And it means a lot because I don't outsource it right now. We, you know, it came about, we needed to play a long game. Even when we were, you know, kind of the captive versus independent, even when we, we started our agency, the town we live in, Dixon, Illinois, hometown of Ronald Reagan, and the largest case of municipal fraud ever in the same city. And that's weird, the two different dynamics there. Uh, mm. There are 16 other insurance agencies in town, and there are only 16,000 people. So our, our metro area is thirty to 50,000 people. So we decided we had to be different. And everyone makes a post on Facebook. Everyone takes the carrier content and recycles or reuses So we decided to start with questions and play the long game. So we took every question we'd ever been asked and we wrote them down in a big list. And then we took every question and we made it a script. And we actually hire out, uh, we actually engage someone to to write our blog for us uh, to a point. They write the base premise. We take that base premise and we actually have it written into a video script very similar. So it will get created. Again, I know my strengths. I know the questions I want to ask, I can give you. I want this question answered. These are some specifics I went in there and this is the direction or the feel or the tone I want to go. And they'll write in and, and we'll make some polish or some tweaks on the back end for the script itself. But we started small and easy. Repeatable content, I am a massive fan. And this is a kind of a tidbit of the agency success conference, right? My, my topic is uh, how to slay every dragon or any dragon with small repeatable steps. No matter how big that elephant is, right? One bite at a time. So we, we started small and repeatable. I set my phone up on a tripod. I put my handy-dandy Blue Yeti microphone plugged directly into my phone up on a stool with some some boxes from Lightspeed Voice still. And uh, I did no lighting, no special effects, nothing. And I just recorded a video and I put it up there. I realized that was boring, so I threw in some memes on top of it. I realized that was boring, so I threw some music on top of it. And it's just been a small progression every step of the way. Uh, so what you say is polished, I still look at it and go, man, my lighting is off. Our color in the background is off. We need a different studio space. We, before, just before I got on with you, I quite literally was just in an extra space in our office upstairs where we're converting it to more of a walk-in YouTube uh, video slash podcast studio where we can do our content in. So it's a dedicated space. Walk in, record, walk out, get back to work instead of seeing all the lights and tripods and everything sitting in the corner of my office. But our, our goal was long game, right? Answer the questions. If, if we're seeing the question asked two or three times, we know that there's 10 more people out there who aren't asking. And if we can create a library of content every step of the way, uh, but our, our ethos has always been small, repeatable steps. And when I took our first video, took me something like 14 hours to produce from writing the script, editing the video. Uh, recording took me an hour and a half for a four minute video because I thought you had to be perfect on screen all at one time. Mm. And then I realized it might take me eight minutes to record it, but I can cut four of those minutes out. That, that streamlined my process. Oh, yeah. And our, our Adobe Premiere time is relatively simple. We created templates inside there. We record all at once. We'll record for one subject. If I'm going to talk about blue water bottles today, I'll record the long form video about how blue water bottles are made and why blue water bottles are the best. And then I'll record immediately two or three promos about why blue water bottles are the best. And then don't forget to check us out. And I record it all at once, chop it up. I put it in its right template. I I have everything from our captions and Clipscribe. I export and I post on a very specific schedule. It's not even that creative, but it keeps that one topic relevant for anywhere between four and six weeks in the future where it took me, you know, we dedicate three to five hours per subject and that's about all we'll dedicate to it. And that subject stays relevant for five, you know, four to six weeks in our content calendar and it's providing this massive library for us to reference back to and all those are tied to blogs and now we've tied in since we've consolidated our process that ties into uh, we've recently launched a weekly email in the emails two paragraphs at most maybe six sentences uh, you know very specific subjects lines and it's going out we use active campaign for all of our email uh, email marketing on that side and list generation but that goes out every Monday uh, we call it Actually, Nick Barry from Better Agency, Nick Barry calls it toilet times. So we send that out when times when we know that you're, uh, as a personalized consumer, you're going to be in the bathroom. So hoping to deliver that at times where you're, where you're least likely to be engaged in business or family activities. Just starting to see that snowball. It's it's really coming around six, seven months in now. It's been a fantastic journey. I'm really excited what's coming next.
1: That is so encouraging to hear because it is virtually identical to our process. I haven't been putting out the content since probably late October, early November, about two months ago is the last time I dropped a produced video. I have some ad hoc just from the phone stuff that's not pushed through Premiere. It doesn't have any polish to it. You and I are both uh, founding members of the Dirty 130 February 2023 accountability yes. group, yes. which is great. Uh, for anybody out there that has gotten on the, the Dirty 130 train from our Mr. Carruthers, feel free to join us. We are starting on February 1st. We've got a group there. I need that accountability because, man, there are so many things that are competing for my attention these days, and that content fuels, honestly, most of our growth. So much of what we do, uh, it sounds like you too, Patrick. So much of what we do is inbound. It is fueled and and generated by quality content, Uh, whether it's video or blog or or whatever, pushed out to channel partners, live on YouTube and other social, whatever it happens to be. Great content definitely makes the phone ring and makes the email pop. There is no doubt about that. So I love hearing your process, man. It sounds like you and I are in a very similar setting there on the other side of my wall right here as I record this. My ops manager Addy uh, currently offices. Our team member Jonathan is moving on to the next chapter of his career when uh, the personal lines book sells. And Addy already said, "Hey, I know this is putting the cart in front of the horse, but when Jonathan leaves, can I have his office?" And so when Addy vacates out of that room right there, nobody else is going into that room. That's my studio, and I'm gonna you know spend a lot of effort turning that from an office into a studio. And a podcast recording area, so very interesting that you and I are in such a lockstep in what we're up to. I'm excited for what 23 holds with both of us that are already very good at the content game, stepping it up even more. So that that bodes well for the inbound volume for the McBride Agency and for Riskwell. No, that's let's good hope stuff, so. Yeah.
2: We'd love to see we'd love to see the growth. We're starting to see the the effects of that content now. So to watch and see other people, and you specifically, right? You and uh Ryan Hanley's a big one that we have followed and watched for a while and hearing is uh his success with some pieces but watching that content and watching other people grow because of it we knew that we had to do it and we knew that it was the only way to separate ourselves from the the generic carrier post here carrier, carrier post there we steal their content all the time and i think that was if i could give any advice to anyone listening say i can't do it first of all that's that's crap yes you can i'll show you videos or pictures of my initial setup with my rickety twenty dollar tripod and my phone boxes on a on a stool that I wouldn't put a plant on anywhere because it was so so shaky, but the small pieces to help separate you out, I am really looking forward to what the future can hold on that.
1: Yeah, I love it. What a great way to end an episode talking about successes in the content game. Anything you want to add before we wrap this thing up and get you back to your afternoon, my friend?
2: No, I just really appreciate you letting me come on today or asking me. It uh, it meant a lot. I'm glad to be here.
1: Dude, I love a good guest, mostly just to scratch the itch of my own curiosity and hearing cool stories from people that are achieving interesting things in our industry. It, it really is such a privilege to have you on. So I Thank you for sharing your valuable time with me and and the freedom jumpers that listen to this this crazy show. He is Patrick McBride, the founder and CEO of the McBride Agency in Dixon, Illinois. If folks want to get a hold of you, Patrick, what's your favorite way to communicate?
2: Uh, Facebook or LinkedIn are perfect. You can find me there or even just email the office here, patrick.mcbride at the com.
1: It doesn't get any easier than that. That's all for this episode, boys and girls. Make it a great day and we'll talk to you again real soon. Y'all take care.
0: Thanks for listening to the Agency Freedom Podcast. Please subscribe to AFP on your favorite platform to get automatic updates with every new episode and help other people find us. If you like what you hear, please drop us a review and tell the world what you like best. Most importantly, please share AFP with someone you know who is still in captivity. They'll thank you later. Visit our website at agencyfreedom.com to get access to exclusive content and announcements. Join our community on Facebook by typing in Agency Freedom in the search bar. Send your questions, comments, guest recommendations, and favorite grilling recipes to us at podcastagencyfreedom.com. At this is the Agency Freedom Podcast, where we help insurance professionals move from captivity to freedom. Until next time, let's go.
3: so you give me an auto quote, I can do 5 to 10 carriers in 3 to 7 minutes. How are we doing it? We're doing it through the technology of virtual intelligence. Give us a call. Check us out. You can ask for me personally. I'll do the demo for you. Who are they? CAS Certified.